While Ron is busy sleeping off Thanksgiving dinner, we present an encore of The Car Doctor. Join us for the great American Thanksgiving Day tradition. The streets of New York City are lined with millions of spectators, and holiday cheer is in the air. A celebration filled with television and music's biggest stars, world-famous balloons, incredible marching bands, phenomenal floats, and... Ron and Anian had the pleasure, oh my gosh, did I say that, of an 04 Volkswagen Jetta. Now, in all fairness to Volkswagen, so this car is 12 years old, an East Coast car, and it didn't have a drop of rust on it anywhere. Of course, it had enough oil leaks, it was probably rust-proof from now through the end of... The Car Doctor. I've never really thought of it like that as far as a factory reboot. I think the problem becomes, you know, you're going to be sit there faced with what sort of characteristics does the vehicle have to relearn. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Give us a call on the Car Doctor 24-7, always there for you. Hotline, you can leave a message if we're not on the air live. We are live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time as we go out across the network and streaming and podcasting and all those other types of things. But you can call the 855-560-9900. Phone number anytime, day or night. Tom Ray, our chief executive producer, head cook, bottle washer, floor wiper, and uh, everything else in between. Tony just runs the board. Tom does everything else. We'll uh, call you back and put you in queue and uh, you know talk to you about getting on this radio show. We can talk to you live and solve your problem for you right here on radio. And uh, that's what we've been doing these past, uh, it's coming up on 28 years now. I think uh, next year, 2018, 1991. I don't know. I need a calculator. i got to do the math later. So, But um, anyway, that's what we're here for, to talk to you about your car and its problem. There's more information at cardoctorshow.com as well as how to get podcasts and stream and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, of course, we have a Facebook page, Ron Anany and the Car Doctor, if you're so inclined. But right now, let's kick the garage doors open because we've got an interview-free hour this hour. And uh, we're going to go talk to Bob from Phillipsburg, New Jersey, return call and an update on the 08 Audi battery replacement. Well, Bob, I didn't see any smoke screens or any fireballs go off in the vicinity of Phillipsburg, New Jersey last week. So I assume you were able to put this battery in with no complications. No, it, it worked out well anyway. By the way, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you. You too. Yep. Everything yep. And, yeah, it was, it was very peaceful. That. Anyway. It was very peaceful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, replacing the battery in this car was uh, was quite interesting. I found about two dollars of nickels and dimes in the back of the car because it's there by the spare tire, and uh, had a special order. It uh, I got an Exide battery because uh, <clears throat> I've had good luck with them. But anyway, uh, got it in and then was, uh, scanned it for codes, and I was really quite surprised at how many codes was this in this car and uh cleared them all and everything else though but it does uh, it runs a lot better now now you you scanned it prior to battery removal no after okay and it's and it said a bunch okay Mm-hmm. As as it will though it wouldn't it'd be curious to see what sort of codes it had prior to the battery install if any just to see if yeah. anything was there 
Um, yeah. You know, if it, just just a word to the wise, chances are there wasn't a lot. You would have seen some dash lights on, but it doesn't hurt to have. Yeah, I like to do a on a on a on a car such as that of that caliber. When I'm questioning what's going to happen, I would like to look at things before and after. Uh, you know, it's just a it's just a good way to do it. We had a we had a 2011 Chevy Silverado this week that had a no crank condition, 31,000 mile GM truck, uh, just out of the blue bank turned the dash turned the key and the dash lights had come on and then they'd go out and nothing else, no starter involvement, no no click, not a peep out of this car. And I scanned it for codes prior because I wanted to see before I disconnected the battery as my diagnosis took me closer to the inevitable starter that it eventually was. And there were a couple of U100 communication fault codes for modules that, you know, were were having issues. And yeah. it just, you know, it's just something to write down and just, you know, post and print. Threw it in the file. I scanned it out to the Google Drive on the cloud. I wrote some notes on there on what it was and what I was looking for. And I'll be able to come back to it six months, a year, or whenever. And it just it doesn't hurt. And obviously, after I was done, I scanned it. I had no codes, um, interestingly, right. uh, in that case. So it, 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 my point is it doesn't hurt to look both before and after. So, um, you know, just to have some idea of what's going on there, uh, it can hurt. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be going up there because I'm trying to learn to use this uh, VAGCOM or Rostec uh, uh, scanner. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite interesting, but it's involved. Yeah. And uh, so I'll be checking up more and scan the whole car. One quick question yeah. that I also have for this car. Uh, do you know of any good upholstery shops? I'm looking to replace the uh, seat cushions, uh, especially on the driver's side, like sitting on a board. Boy, I, uh, I've got to tell you, Bob, upholstery is getting to be a very lost art in New Jersey. I, I don't know of New York, New Jersey. I don't know of anyone around that does upholstery. There are one or two guys that I've heard of. I don't remember off the top of my head, and I hear there's a good three- to four-month waiting list. It's it's just amazing how they're just all gone. There's just yeah. there's just nobody talking about it anymore, and a, a lot of the hot rod guys talk about how hard it is to find an upholstery person. I think in my next life I'm going to come back and do interiors, you know, just because yeah, it, it uh, just seems like something in demand. It also uh, to replace, uh, to go to uh, Audi and uh, just get new cushions. Well, you know, maybe yes, maybe no, if, if, if you have no other choice, but I'm sure you'll be surprised, or if not shocked, at the price, um, you know, in terms of what, uh, in, in terms of what they cost. I'm not concerned about price or my quality. Yeah, well. That's then, the way it should be. Yeah, that's the way it should be. And then, yeah, but it might really shock you, the price of him doing it and not coming out the way you like it. Because if you don't like the way the seat feels now, is the seat or is the foam, is the material in the seat pounded out, or is yeah, it, it's, it is no, it's pounded out. Okay, it's, it's right. like somebody was uh, six hundred pounds was sitting on it. Right, then it might you know it might even need a frame. It might even need you know it's like the box spring portion of it may need to be replaced too. Yeah, uh, you know, and that's always a possibility. So the okay. only the only other thing I would suggest is you know just doing a search on the net, you know, O eight Audi, you know, A three. Uh, you know, maybe there's mm-hmm. a low mileage something out there with similar seats at half the price, and yeah. you know that way you can get a whole seat assembly. So thank God, thank God for the internet. Ten years ago, we couldn't build a car. You know, now we That's now we true. can't build a car without it. So, yep. All right, sir. Okay. Well, yep. anyway, happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Bob. Thank you very much, and I appreciate you. I appreciate the call. Let's go over and talk to Ron Sutton, New Hampshire, ninety Bronco two. 
94 Explorer engine and uh, some questions about fuel economy. Ron, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Yeah, I, uh, I rebuilt the engine uh, about a year ago. It's got about uh, 18,000 miles on it now. Okay. And um, I started smelling a little bit of gas. And uh, my mileage was around 14. I do a lot off-road with it. It is a daily driver, but uh, I mainly built it for off-road. Um, it's got 32-inch uh, tires on it right now for the road. But anyway, I uh, went down to get gas, and uh, I filled it up, and I was getting 19 miles to the gallon. I was like, wow, that's, that's really good for this motor. And the next week, I went down, filled it up, and I was getting 10 miles to the gallon. And I filled it up again, and I'm getting 13 miles to the gallon. And changes, I don't know if it be, changes weekly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do some four wheeling, so, you know, I can contribute a little, a little bit of the mileage to that, bad mileage to that, but not 10. Yeah. Well, does that 10 miles per gallon, has that repeated itself on a regular basis? No, I get around 13, 14 on so, average. So you had one case of 10 miles per gallon. Right, but okay. I also had a case of 19.42 miles per gallon. All right, but the average now is 13. Yeah, now, it's if, about 13. If you hadn't gotten the 19, would you be would you have been upset that you got 13? No. Okay. So what if what if for whatever reason that week or those two weeks the 19 and the 10 were a miscalculation somehow some way? Yeah. Well, I considered that and I went over the the figures pretty well and. It, it could have been an anomaly. Right. Um, but I'm just wondering. I, I, I do smell gas on occasion. I'm wondering if it's the uh, fuel rail or do you know of anything? I mean, do those go bad? Sure, they can rust out. Which engine is this? What is this, a four-liter? Four-liter overhead valve. Okay. Uh, what what um, uh, what engine control system are you running, EEC-4? Yes. Okay. So you're running an EEC-4 system. You know, there is, where's the fuel pressure regulator on this? It's attached to the rail? It is. It is? On passenger side, yeah. Um, possibility that, you know, do you ever get a sense that it's running rich? Do you have the ability with a scan tool to look at fuel trim? I'm trying to remember in 94, there was a fuel trim modifier in EEC-4 that you could tell whether it was high or low or somewhere in between and, you know, take a look and watch fuel trim while you're driving. The other thing that I have seen is I have seen that diaphragm on that fuel rail start to rupture, it gets porous, and it will actually start to pee fuel right up the vacuum line. And, you know, that can obviously be an issue. And then the other thing that comes to mind is this time of year, I see a lot of variables in fuel economy based on quality of thermostat. I, I don't want to assume that you've got that covered, but, you know, thermostat off by 8 degrees can make a, a huge variance in fuel economy as well. Yeah, so, I have a 190 in there now, I think. Okay. And how long I bumped it up how a long, little bit. How, how um, long has it been in there? Ooh, two months. Okay. Um, have uh, you, it's have, a motorcraft. I normally go with OEM. All right, that's fine. Have, have you verified temperature against the stat to know that it's you know it's it's running one eighty eight to one ninety two at, at a minimum on a cold day? I do have uh, uh, gauges in the in the truck. I don't use it. it, it, it I don't use idiot lights any longer. So. Okay. Um, I'm running around 190. All right, so the thermostat's the working right. Yeah. Okay. So then let's let's see if we can figure out a way to take a look at fuel trim using a scan tool. Let's see what let's see what fuel trim tells us. And then because of the bigger tires, you've changed the drive line. Uh, my only other question would be how accurate is the odometer? It's not. I'm, 
I have uh, 373s in there, and I haven't changed them up because I didn't go over a 33-inch tire. Okay, so when you're doing the math to figure fuel economy, how are you judging mileage? I'm basically going on how many gallons I used on a tank of gas. And and this has been going on for, you know, 20,000 miles or 18,000 miles. Right, but I'm, I'm I guess... I'm just trying to figure out, how do you know how many miles you went on that tank of gas? Let me ask the question that way, if the odometer is off. I, well, I have a, tr- uh, a computer on board. Uh, it's in my radio that has a GPS. Okay. And I use the GPS, and I sync that with my uh, manual odometer on my uh, speedometer. And I'm within a couple of tenths, so I don't think that's an issue there. Oh, okay, so it's off, but it's not off by a lot. No. I mean, if I'm doing 65 on the speedometer, I'm normally doing 70. Well, that's almost 10%, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, so 10%. I mean, if we're, you know, just just trying to do the math, just just take that into consideration with your calculations. All right, because if we're going to be if we're going to be scientific, I mean, the right answer is truthfully, and I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but it, you got 32s, 33s on this with a 373 gear. Does it really matter what fuel economy you get? You know, it's 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 kind of that's part of the picture too. That it's it's it's. But I get it. Try some of those things and uh, see where that gets you. And we'll talk again next week if we need to, Ron. I appreciate the call. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron. And the car doctor rolling along here at this hour. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I want to take the call on line one in a quick second. I just want to make a comment, and I want to I want to talk about this a little later on this hour. Has anybody seen the article from Tesla about the semis? Tesla semi and electric big rig rolls into reality. Elon Musk wears many masks. Into the entrepreneur, a trucker to the list. Musk rolled silently into a long anticipated and often delayed event in Hawthorne two Thursdays ago at the controls of a Tesla semi. Think of how cool that would be, an electric 18-wheeler, all right? I'm thinking about, you know, corporate headquarters is located here in, 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 the, in the backwoods next to Route 287 in North Jersey, and you hear the trucks running up and down the highway all day long. Now it's going to, like, you're going to hear the sound of a toaster going, whoosh, whoosh, right? Like, how cool will that be? It'll just be silence, kind of like the fans cheering at Giant Stadium, but we won't talk about that. Um, let's get on over, and oh, Tom's got a comment. I was going to say It'd be really great when you're standing on the street corner and you don't hear a combine and you get hit by the semi. Well, you know, that is a problem, okay? That, that is a problem for blind people and deaf people, and they're working on that with electric vehicles. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to cure it, but that is that actually is a concern, no fooling. Uh, but it is, you know what? you got to give Tesla credit. Everybody's sitting here saying, ah, he's not going to be in business, he's not going to last, you know, he's on the wrong. The guy's made an 18-wheeler into, an, you know, I mean, it's a giant... 18-wheeler. It's an electric 18-wheeler. My gosh, that's like crazy. Um, you know, who knows what's next? We'll be talking the electric car doctor. Be like the electric boogaloo. Let's get on over and talk to Tom Springfield, Illinois, line one. Tom, you're at the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you. I've got a 2005 Chevrolet 5.3-liter VTEC. Uh, it's an avalanche. Okay. We put a new uh, engine in it. It sat on the sidelines for several months. Then we put a, a used engine in it. It's, we've driven it for a couple of weeks. Now, all of a sudden, uh, it, it uh, goes sporadically hot. It, uh, it, when it's idling or when it's in park and we're just running the engine, it seems to be okay. It seems to be about 200 degrees. And then as soon as you put a load on it, there it goes up to 240, 250 before we shut it down. And then it, for a couple of days, that problem disappeared, and it seemed to be fine. And then 
I look down at the gauge, and it's about two, 200, and then all of a sudden, within 10 seconds, it shoots right up to about 220, 230, and keeps going. And uh, I'm hoping that with that many specific uh, uh, symptoms, maybe you could help me figure out. I, I did check the fluids. All are good and level. Uh, first thing I think of is a thermostat, but I haven't gone into getting that because, unfortunately, Chevy put that thermostat in a bad place. They didn't put it on top, of course. No. They put it down low where yep. I have to drain the radiator, take off all the, the rubber housings, et cetera. So I haven't gone to the thermostat yet, but I'm hopeful maybe if I've got enough symptoms, maybe you could help me narrow down what sure. I need to do. So let me ask you this. Why did you replace the engine? What failed in the old one, or how did the old one fail? Uh, according to the mechanic, it uh, it just blew blew up, blew head gaskets. I don't think it didn't throw a rod or anything, but he said the engine had blown uh, gaskets and main seals, and and it had probably 160,000 miles on it. Okay, now and so he said we needed a different one. Did was it a was it a cooling system head gasket type of failure? Do you know that I do not know. Now I can say that prior to putting it on the sidelines. Uh, and prior to putting the other engine in, it didn't seem to be having it. Now, wait a minute. No, come to think of it, now that you made me think back, there was a time when it did the same thing, but it was several months ago, and it did that one one event, and then it didn't do it again. Right, uh, and because what I'm wondering is, is this what caused the old engine to fail? Is there a cooling system problem that the engine's okay here, but we're still working on the original diagnosis of why that engine failed? Uh, I think that's plausible now that i think back to how it was acting but we had it happen once before as i said and then it disappeared okay uh that that problem but now and so for a couple of weeks we drive it with the used engine seems to be fine temperature is fine but now it's now it's all over the board i might drive it all day today and have no problem and then i might start it in the morning and it'll get hot instantly so then my next question is is it getting too hot too fast to be real think about what i said there is it that that's highly plausible i remember most recently, looking down at, say, it's about 200 degrees, I bet, I bet I didn't drive a block, and I looked down, and it was 240. Okay. So Be- that's, a, that's a plausible scenario. Right, because, well, I'll tell you what, let me, let me, let me pull over. The, I, I, I don't want to rush this. Let me pull over and uh, take the pause, Tom. But, you know, there's a lot to think about here. When we come back, we'll finish with this. We'll finish talking to Tom out in Springfield, Illinois, 05 Chevy Avalanche. I'm Ron Anady, the car doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Stay tuned. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Tom, you're from Springfield. You're still there, sir. Yes, sir. So I gave you enough time to think about it. What do you think? Was it doing this with the old engine? Uh, you know, it, I think one time that my wife drives it primarily, I don't. Right. And one time we saw this happen and she stopped and, and she got me and, and it, but it seemed to disappear. And now it's so sporadic and so unpredictable that I'm, I'm with you. I know where you're going. Maybe there's a sensor now that's giving us a false reading. Right. So let's 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 attack it like this, all right? 
you know, let's 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 try and baseline this. And let me just ask you a couple of questions. When you did the engine swap, did you transfer the throttle body over from the old engine? See, it was done for me. I'm not that good. I couldn't do my own engine. Somebody else did it. I do not know the answer to that. Because that's important. The throttle bodies on these have coolant hoses that go into them. All right. Mm. They they heat the throttle plate. They pass they pass warm water through it. It helps it helps um, the throttle plate from icing up, and and, uh. and things like that. And I've seen cases where the throttle body bore. It's not a huge hose. You know, it's uh, a little bigger than an eighth, maybe maybe a quarter inch diameter passageway. And I've seen mm-hmm. cases where, on a higher mileage, that that throttle body bore will get restricted and cause erratic t- cooling system performance. All right, uh-huh. so it's, it's it's simple enough thing to do. Just you know, take the two hoses off, put a bypass tube in it, and you know, drive the truck or try blowing through the passageway in the throttle body. Make sure it's spotlessly clean. If it is, put it together. You've eliminated that. We know it's not that. All right, okay. but that's that's something to do. Uh, the other okay. possibility is: Do we have a restrictor? Or do we have any kind of an issue with the heater core? Um, any any sort of issues with heat in this vehicle? Yeah, at, this, at the same time, we're not getting any heat. It's blowing cold. Up, uh, blowing cool, not cold. Okay, so, but when the engine is running normal, do you have you know when it's quote unquote not overheating? Do you have normal heat? Yes. So so the heat goes out when the engine problem occurs. When the, when the temperature problem occurs. Yes. Okay. So maybe it's real. Maybe we really do have an overheat issue. Maybe we're burping air in from somewhere. Because now we're going to go also go up against the fact, how do we know the new engine, you know, new does not mean good or replacement engine does not mean good. If it's burping air and putting air into the system somewhere, maybe it's legitimately running hot. Maybe we've got a head gasket issue here. Not to, you know, this can go a bunch of different ways. So that's why sometimes you have to prove what's good to figure out what's bad. All right. When, right. they, when they did the engine, what did they think of the radiator? Again, I, I don't have an answer to that because I, I didn't supervise that. Probably should have, but I don't, I don't know. Now, I sat on the sidelines for several months, that radiator did, just sitting. Right. And it's an older vehicle, so I don't, we may have created some issues there. Well, and if the radiator is original at a buck sixty, It is. I, let, me tell you, let me answer the question this way. My 2008 Silverado, my, my plow vehicle, it's got 31,000 mm-hmm. miles on it. It's 10 years old. There's a new radiator sitting for it in the shop. I'm just going to change the radiator out after 10 years just because it's 10 years old. I got um, you. You know, and it's, it's, it's out in all kinds of weather, and, and, you know, it's just plastic and aluminum today, and they're just not great. Um, I, right. sp- I, sp- I spent the money. I paid the freight. I got an original, you know, uh, GM radiator for it, and uh, at least I'll have peace of mind plowing. So, right. you know, it, it might be time to consider the radiator as an issue. All right? Okay. That's number two. Number three, going back to the heater core, you know, I have seen cases where heater core restriction can impede flow and create some goofy overheat issues. Hmm. So, you know, it would probably be a good idea to flush and back flush the heater core. Not hard okay. not hard to do. Are you are you mechanically inclined? Enough to yeah, and I think enough to do that. Okay. So the way I'm gonna tell you to do it, this if I remember right, this has quick lock connectors on it. You've it got does. you've got to take the quick locks off. And, you know, what I did was I've just created my own little flush kit at the shop, and I do this. I use it all the time. I went to the hardware store. I got regular hose ends, you know, a male and a female hose end set up, like, for the garden hose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I put it on a heater hose, and, you know, here's my here's my innie, here's my outie, and I put it on the heater core, and I'll put the one end on the core which way I want to go. And I usually flush in the direction of flow first, all right, 
and okay, you know just right. just to kind of push it through and I'll put a hose on the other side on the outlet and I'll put that hose in a white bucket white's always a dramatic color all right you can usually see all the crud mm, all right very right. easily and I'll you know I don't I won't run a lot of water uh, the other thing I add to this setup is I've got you ever see those brass shutoff valves it's like a little hand lever that you can either go full throttle or you know you can shut it down to a quarter or sure. half and so forth and I'll run you know, I'll run a quarter, maybe a half throttle of hose uh, okay. through the core. I don't want to. I don't want to break the core. I don't want right. to. You know, I don't want to overpressurize it. Not that I think I could. City water is probably in the. You know, it depends. I think where we are, city water is like, you know, fourteen, fifteen pounds. I don't think it's much more than that. And you know, I just, I just don't want to overdo it if I don't have to. Right. Um, and I'll do it one way, and then I'll do it the other, and I repeat it twice, and I see what comes out. Nothing comes out. Hey, I'm great. Usually, something comes out. And I wouldn't okay. be surprised if stuff comes out, all right? Mm. So then you can sit there and look at what came out. I've seen cases where it's it's content matter from the cylinder block because the old block was decaying on the inside, and now it's deposited mm. itself in the heater core. The answer right. becomes, if it's in the heater core, guess where else it is? It's in the in radiator. In the radiator. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's how you kind of know what to do radiator-wise. Okay. You all know, right. way back when... When I did engines, because we we don't see engine failures like we once did anymore, and it's really it's 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 honestly it's not a profitable repair, not like mm. it once was, and it, it you just don't see a lot of it. Uh, you know, maybe it's because of my location in the country. Right here, I am in Bergen County, New Jersey. You know, if the ashtrays fall and the gas tank's empty, everybody wants to throw the car away. Nobody <laughs> nobody wants to fix it. You know, it's oh, let's just go buy a new car. What the heck? I, as a matter of fact, somewhere I've got today's newspaper. Do you know what your new GMC Yukon is? Oh, I've got. I've over 50? 50. Uh, where's that? I got it here somewhere. I've got to find it. $68,820. That's crazy. And I said, and well, what caught my eye was the monthly payment. Wait a minute. Let me turn. We're going to have silence on radio. Keep keep talking for a minute, Tom. <laughs> Your Tom or my Tom? Uh, yeah. Your Tom. Here it is. Wait a minute. I got it. Wait a minute. Here it is. Um, here. a twenty. I'm sorry. A 2017 GMC Yukon SLT. This is what got me. You know what you can lease this puppy for? Oh, I'm I'm going to guess six fifty. Six ninety nine a month for three years. Wow. Thirty nine months wow. rather. Seven hundred dollars. That wasn't my first mortgage payment. I'm <laughs> dating myself, but holy cow! My, I know us small town forum boys out here in the Midwest. We try to fix things. We don't try to buy buy seventy thousand dollar vehicles. Well, and you know, so oh, you mean this vehicle is still seventy thousand dollars out there in, in farm country? You mean they, uh, it, 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 it'd be close? It might be a grand different, but not much. They don't give you guys a discount? Ah, uh, uh, you kidding me? Yeah, I know. I listen. You know what? You know what farmland prices are out here? Fifteen thousand yeah. an acre. Right. Yeah, I believe me. And listen, right next door to corporate headquarters here. There's a there's a farm on a on the on the back country road that we're located on. There's probably I'm gonna say there's a good eighteen to twenty acres of land there that they actually still farm with. All right. And you can see the housing development is encroaching. You know what those acres of land are going for? I'm gonna guess half a million an yeah. acre. Half a million an acre. Yep. Well, I'm getting pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you're getting pretty good. You're you're ready to move into you know, come on out to New Jersey. Yeah. Um I like I like it out here in the Midwest. Yeah, well I dude, I understand that. I really do. But I look at the price of these things and I go, I saw seventy thousand dollars for a vehicle and I said, wait a minute, maybe it's time to start doing engines and transmissions again at that level and just you know what, we'll we'll take your vehicle, put ten grand in it, resurrect it and send it on its way. It's gotta be cheaper. So yeah. I I it just would make sense. Anyway, back to your issue. I would 
think twice about the radiator. I would definitely yep. do a back flush on the heater core. I'd look at the throttle body, make sure the, make sure the fans are working. I, I would I would definitely think about doing a thermostat. You know what I would yep. really ultimately like to do is get a scan tool on this vehicle. Do you have any kind of a scan tool? No, but I have access to one. Would it pick up something in the uh, in the uh, cooling heating system as opposed to the engine? It could, but what I'm more concerned about is I'd love to see you set up your wife with a scan tool bringing up the coolant PID okay. and tell her, I want to know. If, if the coolant PID says 240 and the dash gauge says 240, then I've legitimately got an issue. If, okay. if 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 the coolant pit says scan tool, if that will you stop that? If the coolant pit says, if the coolant pit says, you know, two hundred, and the dashboard says two forty, and you have no heat and it's blowing cold air, now I've got two separate problems. I'm just hmm. trying to eliminate, you know, the the, the possibilities here. All right. So one last thing. One yeah. last thing, if you don't mind. Yes, uh, sir. If it happens to be head gaskets again, uh, what's my repair cost for a, for head gaskets? Well, in in New Jersey, you're probably in the neighborhood of twenty five hundred three grand. Out, out there in farm country, you know, it's I, I think from the sounds of it, you know, you 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 guys fix everything from tractors to to you know everything under True. the sun. I bet you you could do head gaskets on that thing if you took your time. I really yeah, do. That's great. I, yeah, I, I really do. It's nuts and bolts at that point. Um, it's, well, nuts, you're, that's, it's nuts and that's bolts. That's great. You're plastic. giving me. You're giving me a system here to go down and check uh, all those things. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, and it's just, you know, it's just sometimes, and and they say this, and I I say this all the time, sometimes knowing what's bad is proving what's good. Because if if you eliminate enough of what's good, sooner or later you find out what's bad. Too many times guys approach the car and they say, oh, I can't find out what's wrong. It's it's an intermittent problem. Okay, prove what's good. Tell me what's good. And you know that, that it can't be that. Then we'll move on to the next thing. And right. then, and then the hey, well, last the last commentary has yeah. to be this probably has an electric cooling fan on it. Two. How, okay, right. How how are the cooling fans working? Uh, and, like and, one came on about two ten. I didn't. I don't think the other one came on, but I'm wondering if that's for a separate system. Right. And let's understand how that works. So that's the second part of this. All right, sir. Thank you. You're very welcome, Tom. Let me know what happens. I'm kind of curious, and uh, I'd love to hear the oh. final answer. I'll do that. Thank okay. you. Okay. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. What's better than Black Friday specials? Well, free car advice from the car doctor. Here's Ron. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor. Let's roll over and talk to Steve, Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, some questions about warranty. Steve, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Hope your Thanksgiving was good. What's going on? It was great. Uh, hi, Ron. Good to be back on. My extended warranty on my 2013 Honda is going to expire soon. Do you have any advice on a good sort of aftermarket company, or does, can Honda do something beyond 100000 What I'm really searching for is maybe $100 a year premium with a $500 deductible. Probably it'd be the other way around. Yeah, and I don't, I don't so, know that. I don't know that one is going to exist, Steve. My concern becomes an aftermarket warranty policy. The ones that I've dealt with in the shop and the ones that I hear people talking about usually don't cover enough unless you're paying a premium. And the ones that you know you're you're paying the premium for, for example, we just had a customer with an '09 Chevy Malibu. His he bought the car used three years ago. He put a premium policy on it. The policy cost him $2,800 three years ago. 
All right, and it covered him up. It co- yeah, it covered him up to 109,000 miles. The policy just expired, and they 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 covered just about everything, but not everything. And there were still some cases where he was laying money out of pocket. And you know, at almost three thousand dollars, he didn't have a trans failure. He didn't have engine failure. A lot of it was brake work. A lot of it was, you know, predictable things at that mileage. And he can't get another policy on it. They won't. They won't cover the car beyond this age or mileage. And the concern I've got is, in order to get the coverage, I want to know what's that company going to do for me, and what's the likelihood they're going to be around. I know Honda's going to be around. I don't know if XYZ Warranty Company, based out of Delaware or Maryland or whoever's the easiest one to go bankrupt in and not get sued, will be around. So that's 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 always a concern of mine. So great question. I would tell you if you're going to do anything, go back to Honda. But I will add this. The way you maintain a car, I don't know if I'd worry about it. I think I'd pay yourself that warranty policy. You know, you're, you're going to typically expect to spend, oh, I would guess between 1500 and two grand on most warranty policies. Pay yourself that money, put it in the bank, let it collect some interest, add $125 a month to it, and I bet three years from now when nothing goes wrong, you'll have that money to take and go on a nice vacation with or something else. So uh, just, just some food for thought. It just seems like uh, you might end up overpaying for that one because of the age and the uh, mileage on that vehicle. And, again, I know how you maintain a car. Maintenance is the key, and that's what gives you longevity. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on Andy the Car Doctor. I want to thank you for spending some time with me this hour as we got together and we talked about, well, I think we covered a lot of things, and I hope you learned something. I want to go back to the Elon Musk article. Um, the new vehicle that Elon Musk is talking about, the electric 18-wheeler, for those of you that might just be tuning in, will start production in 2019. No price tag was mentioned. I can't imagine what that's going to cost. Looking like something Batman might have designed, the Tesla semi-prototype is heavy on aerodynamic stylings that are said to, along with its electric engine, drive the cost per mile below that of today's gas-powered machines. Well, shouldn't that be diesel-powered machines? Tesla officials said while giving USA Today a walk-around before the event unfolded. Even with 80,000 pounds, it'll get up to 860 miles per hour in 20 seconds, uh, Musk said, hopping out of a truck. What about up a hill, he was asked, um, but nobody answered that. More significantly for trucking companies, Musk said a standard diesel truck would be 20% more expensive to operate than a Tesla truck, a uh, dollar and a quarter per mile compared to a dollar and a half. Here's where I got to see Musk emphasizes performance. Tesla trucks can hit 65 miles per hour versus 45 miles per hour, up a 5% grade compared to a standard truck. Um, then the biggest applause in Hoots accompanied this statistic, a 500-mile range at maximum weight and highway speeds. So think about it, all right? They're going to actually, you know, there's, a little, there's a little Orwellian here maybe, but there's a little 1984, but the government is, if they bring these things online, they're going to actually mandate when the drivers have to pull over. The vehicle's going to run out of juice. And they're going to have to pull over at a certain amount of time, and it's going to take 30 minutes to bring them up to 80%. So in a way, they're going to actually keep the highway safer, I think, because we'll be forcing drivers to take a rest break. Of course, they might be pulled over on the side of the highway, and I can just see it now where somebody's going to come through the woods and, can I borrow an electrical outlet? My truck ran out of juice over here, and, you know, we're going to be seeing extension cords running through the woods out to people's houses to, uh, um, you know, but... We'll see. Interesting. But I still give him a lot of credit. You know what? The future is here. The future is now. And um, you've just got to keep watching this saying, wow, electric vehicles and, you know, (laughs) electric trucks. So uh, definitely kind of neat stuff. So anyway, 
That about wraps it up this hour. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. More information at cardoctorshow.com. The 855 number is there for you. Use it anytime you can. It's 24-7. Till the next time, remember this. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.